Hello and welcome to the Sky Time Podcast with me, Simon Cousins. This is the podcast that promotes Sky and profiles the people that drive the island's economy. It's also a celebration of Sky's vibrant history, culture and environment and aims to gently persuade visitors to spend more time, get off the beaten track and experience more of what our island has to offer. My guest this week is Dougie Baird, the Chief Executive of OATS, the Outdoor Access Trust for Scotland. That's the organisation that's currently completing work on the car park and toilets at the fairy pools in Glen Brittle. Dougie, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks very much. Now, tell me about the origins of OATS and what the, the aims of the organisation are. Well, we're a charitable trust. Um, We were set up in 1998 uh, primarily to solve a car park problem and make some access projects happen out of it. Um, The Spital of Glen Mick in Aberdeenshire at that time uh, has a single track road that provided access to the Loch Nagar Mountains and Loch Mick and very beautiful scenic area and it was becoming more and more popular and as it became more and more popular people parked on the edge of the road and the edge of the road started to get blocked and then the police couldn't get in and out the estate couldn't get in and out and then the tourists themselves couldn't get in and out so the various organisations that had a concern in the Glenmick at that time which were Balmoral Estate Scottish Natural Heritage as they were then uh, and Aberdeenshire Council got together and kind of hatched the idea of creating a wee trust that that we'd basically build the car park and then start once it was built that would solve the traffic problem but from that raise some charges and from those charges start to develop you know a range of access projects that would lift up the whole kind of access infrastructure of the area Um, so that's really kind of where it started from. So is that how most of your work is funded, by raising charges at, at car parks? No, no, the, the car park money is, uh, we use as seed corn funding. Uh, in itself, it, it's, it, it gives us a, a starting stake, uh, if you will. In itself, it would be very slow process just building paths out of car park charges. Um, it's a good source of income over a long period of time. But what we really try and do is use that to leverage up much bigger grants um, that allow us to do large amounts of work in a much much shorter piece of t- period of time and so for example um, in our sort of D side times the first big project we did was the uh, was the East Cairngorms access project and that was a two million pounds lottery funded with a bit of European money a bit of other public bodies money Aberdeenshire SNH at that time and also our car park money and then out of that we got two million pounds and we built a whole pile of mountain paths and glen paths and little car parks and little bridges and so on in, in the D-side uh, in eastern Cairngorms area. Once the National Park, Cairngorms National Park came into existence, they, they, they liked the idea of using a trust to develop their outdoor access initiatives and it kind of coincided with the end of that big East Cairngorms access project. So it allowed us to, to start working in the Cairngorms. And again, we generated big projects with a leader-funded project called the Community Networks Programme, where we did a range of low-level paths in around villages. We did walking health for all sorts of groups. We got up to 36 groups working around the National Park, one in every village, <laughs> running every week. Um, and that was, that was fantastic. And then we did a big European and lottery-funded project with some of our car park money and some of the National Park's money and some of SNH's money in it. Game Girls Mountain Heritage Project, and we, you know, and then so it goes on. Uh, it just we built it and built it, um, and most recently the big project we've, we've we're just finishing just now is the Mountains and the People Project, and that's a big mountain path vocational training and volunteering project running between both the Cairngorms and Loch Lomond and 
Trossachs National Parks, where we've we're just completing a five million programme of of mountain pass repairs, bridges, volunteering, education, promotion, deportation. How do you select projects? Do landowners come to you or do you see a need and approach landowners? We have our skill set. We have quite a focused skill set and our, our, our skill set's on, on really on, on path construction, on access development, uh, on volunteering and on fundraising grant fundraising what we do is we kind of look where where other organizations share our objectives and try and always create a partnership as i said the car park itself was essentially a partnership between a private estate um the national heritage organization and the, and the local authority um it's, it's, it's a good example the cairngorms mountain heritage project was a partnership between the rspb as a landowner and as a conservation charity and highlands and islands enterprise an economic development company and there can't be too many projects they've worked together on but they did work very well on that and and uh, we worked with there with the cairngorms national park authority and ourselves I was just about to say, you've named so many public and private agencies. It must be a nightmare trying to get all these people to agree. Well, it, access is an, is, is an interesting thing. and it's not, it's not a divisive, in my experience, type of initiative, usually. There's something in it for everybody. You can look at, at path development and as an economic thing. You can say, well, you're creating infrastructure in an area. That's going to mean more people can come and enjoy it. And that's going to create more money. So there are economic benefits for it. You can say, well, the people locally are going to be able to get out and benefit from that. They're going to walk. They're going to improve their sort of social cohesion, their physical fitness and so on. So it's got social benefits. And then generally you're doing it in beautiful places which are under a bit of pressure. So... You know, you're 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 kind of generating conservation benefits. So if you're putting out a project that has economic, social, and conservation benefits, there's really something in it for everybody. You mentioned the issue of uh, popular places and and pressure on them. You're just completing the the work at the Fairy Pools car park. How did you get involved in that? Well, we had an approach from from English Community Hall Association. They were advanced in the process of, of doing a community asset transfer for for the land opposite the ferry pools uh, and that was currently owned by the at that time owned by the forestry and it was a long-term chronic problem you could see that um mm. nobody nobody really stood up to to kind of to kind of say i'm going to take responsibility for this it was difficult the the ferry pools are on private estate they don't get any benefit from huge amounts of people that access it the where people parked was was for the forestry and they don't get any benefit from the fairy pools it doesn't belong to them the road blocking and so on is on the council and there wasn't really any kind of one organisation that felt they had a kind of remit and and, and the community hall association you know stood up and said okay we'll we'll put our hand up when they did that they, they really needed somebody to work in partnership with and I went over and met the trustees and we talked through what we did and um our model and how it had worked and the, and the, the benefits are very much an upward spiral. You start off with a problem and you can solve that problem and out of it then you can generate income that can solve other problems and then you kind of end up lifting up the whole sort of infrastructure of, 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 of the area you're working in. Um, and I thought we could do that, you know, with Manganish Community Hall at the ferry pool. So, so that was that was the that was the that was the gist of it. Um, we, we were really approached by, by by the Community Hall Association, and um, we got together and we we felt we could we could work together 
very satisfactorily. And the, the first, the first problem was to get a car park built and get the get the road unblocked. That was the first priority. Um, so we fundraised with the community hall association. We got a good grant from Leader, from Highland Council, from HIE, and we put some money in ourselves. And uh, we've managed to build that car park, and it's unblocked the road. So that was that was the first that was the first outcome. <laughs> I guess when you're scoping a project like that you need to have some idea of visitor numbers and you couldn't get a a worst case scenario i guess because the the numbers absolutely shot up at the fairy pools over just a short period of time didn't they there was there was a good report when we came in the the community hall association had hired the uh, brighton associates and they provided a, a report up until about 2017 figures, uh, which had shown that the the visits had gone from sort of 17,000 to 40,000 to 100,000. So we picked up a project thinking we needed to build a car park and toilet for 100,000 people, but then the figures came in the next year for 140,000 <laughs> and 180,000. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a headache. Um, also, we weren't involved in initial designs, and we could see that we needed to take a, a, another look at the toilet in particular. Um, it needed to provide facilities for two, up to 200,000 people per year, which is off-grid, which is, a, is no small task, and it really needed its own processing tank. So it, it left us almost resetting that, that part of the project as soon as we got into it and going back to the drawing table and working out how we could accommodate that. That's been quite a challenge, actually, but uh, we've got, got a system in place, the tank's in, and the toilet should be opening well in the next few weeks. We'll come on to the detail of the project in a minute, but... What was the reaction of the the local community? I mean, were they fully behind it or were some people thinking, well, all this is going to do is attract more people? Well, I'm dealing with the community, community hall association and, and and around it. Where I've always been very, very positive, and we think we've got a, a great partnership there. Um, where you know we've taken a problem and and kind of turned it into a good thing. Where there are benefits going for the community hall associations, charitable benefits they get an income from it, and then any income surplus we generate we'll put back in uh, our charitable objectives which are all about conservation and access and sort of social cohesion so it's a win-win from our point of view you're going to get the odd grumble here and there there's no doubt about it they don't complain once they start seeing the benefits come and that, that takes two or three years for it to build up so once people start seeing bridges and paths coming out of this and then the whole thing lifting up you know I think I would I would hope we'd persuade everybody even the biggest grumblers that, that it's a good thing you obviously like a challenge you mentioned that the area is obviously off grid talk me through the the construction challenges and how you face them Anybody who's built a house on, on the West Coast or on Sky, I'm quite sure off-grid will relate to them. Um, ground conditions for the car park were a nightmare. Uh, we dug in and we had blue clay, which doesn't form up. That means it doesn't provide a good enough base for us to build on. So we had to remove a lot of it and put an awful lot more aggregate in. So the, the number the number is our 8,000 tonnes of, of aggregate that we needed to put in to build a car park turned into 13,000 tonnes of aggregate. Wow. That was quite a task in itself. It helped out enormously with the forestry, allowed us to to, to quarry and make our own material um, locally, which is really what made it achievable because uh, it, it was a huge uplift in the amount of, of material that we need to bring in for the project yeah? and, and kind of lifted up the cost of that quite some way. But uh, I, I like I like the product. I like, I like how it looks. It's not tarmac. It's a natural finish made out of the sort of same material that you get there it's, it's this uh, kind of basaltic material so I, I think it fits quite well 
in with the environment. Quite quite pleased with that. So that was a big problem. It was just lack of material and and terrible ground conditions, which, as I say, I'm quite sure anybody who's dug a, dug anything substantial in Sky will relate to. For the toilet, the biggest problem was the numbers and realising we, we basically had to double the size of the tank um, and the fact that it had to be processing. So 200,000 people, what they may do in, in a year and trying to treat that on site in a tank in itself um, was, was no small undertaking. However, my biggest nightmare was putting in something that didn't work. So we could say biological composting, but I, I don't think it's for those numbers or for Sky, to be honest with you. Um, the bacteria usually need to be a bit more heated. And the size of septic tank you would need would be so vast, I don't think you would ever want to get there. And you would certainly never want to deal with an overflowing septic tank in Glen Brittle of that size. Uh, uh, so we, we had to go down the route of a processing tank, Clarchester system. It's about 30 metres long when it turned up it looked like a submarine without the conning tower on it. <laughs> Absolutely huge piece of kit and it's got various chambers in it and it, it processes the material as it comes out and what gets released out the end of it is meant to be portable, believe it or not. And it goes into enormous soak away. Um, but we also came to uh, agreement with the neighbouring landowner to put it under the road and, and out over their land, and we're very, very grateful that they, they helped out with that. And that really gives it an enormous sort of 450 metre run out of potable water before it's it's released back to the wild. So uh, that's been that's been quite the challenge. And then, of course, we've had COVID in the middle. We were six weeks off completion when COVID hit. <laughs> and you had to shut down completely. You couldn't uh, couldn't continue. Exactly. Um, we, we, we had very little time. I think everybody can recall the, the days on the 23rd and the 24th of March as things closed down. It's a local contractor building it, very good McQueen's, and they, they made sure the roof was secure and shut down and went away, which was exactly the right thing to do. And we pulled our staff off, and which was also the right thing to do at that time. And um, we basically had to kind of lock it down for the duration. And um, we felt we were able to get in to do the outside work once we moved on to the next phase in June. Uh, and so we started back in with getting this enormous 30-metre submarine-like tank in the ground. And uh, we're very close to completion now, which I'm very pleased about. And how difficult was it restarting the project just as visitors were coming out of lockdown and wanting to visit? The good news was we got the, a lot of the groundwork done before the shutdown and therefore before it got too busy, and that had always been the intention. So it meant that when the, the construction team came back, we were basically able to push the security fence up against the, the, the building structure and work inside and outside it. So the only times we've had to close the car, the top of the car park have been when we've put the tank in, we had to bring in a 250-ton crane to put that in. Uh, ridiculous piece of kit. Um, so we had to shut the top for that, and then also when we hooked the tank up, which was just very recently, and I think that was a, a very difficult day for our, our staff. We've employed two full-time staff and casual staff now there as well to run the car park and um, they cancelled their days off and everything um, just to make sure that we could handle the numbers of visitors we're getting. The other bits, it's been very difficult to predict how many visitors we'll get this year. Very difficult year altogether. But as you come to the end of a very long, long project, you're obviously relieved and presumably the handover to the, the community is going to be uh, quite an event as well. We hope to have an event on the 8th of October. I've, I'm fearful that we, we may not be able to, to, that that may not be able to happen with the restrictions that are coming online and we're just working with Scottish Government on that. 
if we can't do it now, I'm convinced we need to have a party at some point. If you roll it all the way back, we had a you know you had a huge problem there with the block road driving all, <laughs> driving everybody absolutely crazy. <laughs> Locals and I'm sure the tourists too. Um, you had terrible problem with kind of human waste and so on. And I think those that'll be those two problems solved. The things generating a bit of money, it's got. And hide from it. It's, the, the toilet still needs paid for, and we're going to need to use some of it to finish paying for that. But once it's once that's done, and I think that will be very soon, then we'll be able to start the kind of process of of uh, building the sort of bridges and paths and fixing the sort of sites that we want to fix on Sky. And have you got estimates of the levels of revenue that you can raise each year? It, it's very difficult to predict. Last year, we got quite a decent return. Costs were quite high. It's just transitional year, so you know that needed a lot of staff. There wasn't electricity on site or equipment and so on for for taking charges. So it, it, we're not in it. It's been very difficult to predict, as is what I'm trying to say. And um, we'd absolutely, obviously, absolutely nothing April, May, and June this year, and we had plenty of costs going out. Now, now it's doing okay again. It's it's a very difficult model to predict, um, especially with with the way that. The, Covid's affecting the changes in, in the way that people are kind of going on holiday. I would have said last year at least half of our visitors were from overseas. Mm-hmm. They're all British now, and most of them was a few a few brave French and German people have kind of driven a long, long way. Um, but uh, it's it's a completely different market, and it, it's anecdotally, but it seems to me it's people on shorter two or three day breaks. You know, they're trying to just get out. And, get a change of scenery to refresh the batteries as much as they can and doing that frequently rather than folk coming for two weeks. And if things get back to normal next year, how will the revenues be distributed from the car park? It'll be the same as, as all of our income. Um, it, it, it basically will be used to, to generate more access projects and build more bridges and <laughs> build paths. And, and uh, certainly on Sky, we've got our eyes on a, on a big project, which we'll, we hope to start very soon. We're, we're advanced stages through the Skyconic Sites projects. We're looking at uh, rebuilding the Ferry Pools path in a sustainable way. The things are, you know, a bit of a disaster zone. It's, it looks like it's had herds of buffalo run through it. And it's exactly the same for the store and exactly the same for Kerrang. So we hope to be doing path works, bridge works, habitat restoration work and all of those. And we also hope to be doing a, a joint up interpretation promotion scheme between the three, which might allow people to kind of maybe pick and choose a wee bit better the time that they come so they don't all come between 11 and 2 (laughs) for example um so i think that's quite exciting i think that could be quite an innovative project so the the sky iconic sites project it's a long-term project it involves multiple agencies but the ultimate aim will be to address some of these big 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 infrastructure issues that have been blighting the island well, exactly, exactly, and I, I think it could be a real pilot, not just for Sky or not just for Scotland, but for for, for the world actually. This uh, phenomenon of people wanting to go to kind of quite remote sites in very large numbers is quite recent, but uh, it's affected. And Iceland's overrun, absolutely overrun. We've got, looked at the figures; they've gone from three hundred thousand visitors per year to two million in the same sort of time frame. That the ferry pools have gone from, you know, fourteen thousand to hundred eighty thousand, <laughs> and. You know, they're they're going to the same sites, the same half dozen sites. Um, that, 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 that's that's the difficulty, you know. And it's very much social media driven. And I think we've very much been on the back foot with it. And you know, in other places, people have, have shut some of those sites, and on some occasions, other places got out the tarmac and the metal fencing. And Sky would like to do something that's a lot better than that. I think we could do something that uses the natural materials and gives a natural feel but yet protects the site, protects the habitat and gives the really basic facilities that people want when they visit, which is somewhere to park their car and somewhere to 
do the toilet, you know. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I think coming out of it, I think folk, I'm, I would hope folk would be looking at Sky, in in the next year or two, thinking, oh my goodness, haven't they done well? Actually, haven't haven't they really solved had a pr- big problem and really got together and solved it? And out of that, you know, you'll you'll be getting cash coming out of the, these car parks at store Quarang and, and the ferry pools and it'll be getting reinvested and invested back up and hopefully leveraging in other grants to get more and more work done so you know that's three sites there are there are a lot more than three sites suffering from these problems in sky <laughs> and there's a lot more places in scotland suffering from these problems as well so i i would i, I would think i would hope i would hope people would look at it as as being a quite an innovative and, and kind of groundbreaking approach to solving these issues so I suppose you must be in a bit of a unique position in that um, the work of Oates will continue for generations beyond you, given the amount of issues there are around the country. We're not the only organisation who can build car parks or build paths. I'm, I'm quite sure of that. Um, we just want to show what, what can help be done and then try and pick up and make a difference where we can. Even in Sky, it's been a very interesting partnership. You know, we've worked with, with McGinnis Community Hall Association. We've, we've you know... I think solved the problems at the ferry pools with with the the car park and the toilets and I think so on. It's been the council and ARPAD working together at Store in the same up at, up at Quarang, and I think different partnerships will work in different areas. But yeah, we from our point of view, we, we're always trying to tie. You know, we're not NCP. If we're going to pick up a, a kind of car park, we'd want it to be in a remote place where. You know, it's surrounded by beautiful countryside and with problems that are needing solved with the money that comes out of it. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a need for an organisation like us. And uh, I would certainly hope we'd be able to to, to kind of carry on that experience uh, that we've, you know, we've had, not just the fairy bills, but as I said, you know, 20 years ago now in Glen Mick, you know, that, that, that wee car park has generated an awful lot of, of, of access work, charitable work, volunteering work, interpretation work, you know. And it's, and it's all good. It's all good stuff, you know. And I guess it must be encouraging this growing trend towards ecotourism and voluntourism, which is not a particularly nice word, but it means that people are wanting to get involved, put something back into the communities they're visiting. Is that something that you'll be able to harness? Very much hope so. We, we've been path building for, for quite a while using path contractors and then using trainees and as a way of getting folk into the business, getting jobs. And I like that. I do think that we need a, a very full-time professional path building sector out there that are able to do these incredibly difficult jobs. But there is a real place for volunteers and I think it's helping out with maintenance and keeping on top of things and, and uh, keeping an eye on things. If you had you know, a thousand sets of eyes on the hills then you would be able to <coughs> target your maintenance money an awful lot better. So we piloted a really good volunteer programme in the latest Mountains and People project and we want to carry that forward. Um, we do we do practical task-based volunteering so we're running volunteer groups every Wednesday at the moment and even in Covid we're managing to do it. We've risk assessed and risk assessed and uh, worked out how we can do it, and we, we we've got we've got a gr- groups of guys and girls coming out every Wednesday. They were on Benan yesterday in the beautiful weather. They, they were up in Larrigan Louis in the Cairngorms the week before, um, and we hope to kind of carry that forward and just keep on developing that. I'd like to do some of that on Sky too. Actually, I think there's a real people people want to do this. They want to get involved in, in a meaningful way and kind of give something back. And that's if you talk to any 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 of our volunteers, that's what they always say. You know, they they want to do it. They like to do it and they like to feel they're putting something back. So how can people find out a little bit more about Oats and put themselves forward to volunteer if there's an opportunity? 
Well, we've got a good website. I would hope it's a good website anyway. We've just re- 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 redrafted it and put it up there again. And there's plenty of good information on that, including on volunteering. But on the full range of work we do, you know, the the, the mountain paths, the Glen Pass, community paths, the, the long distance routes, everything that we're doing. There's a, there's a good repository of work there, but there's also a lot of information about the kind of volunteering we do and, and uh, how people can get involved and how they can get, get in contact with us. Dougie Baird, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Simon. Great to talk to you. And that's all for this edition of the Sky Time podcast. If you have a story or business to promote, email Simon at simoncousinsmedia.co.uk. Please also get in touch if you'd like to sponsor Sky Time or advertise your business on the next podcast. Until then, stay safe. Aichi